Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Carmine of Red Team Review, and I'm joined here once again by the supreme leader himself, uh, Preston Jacobs. Preston. I sense, I sense that you're going to strike down Ray. I can sense it. You're going to strike down your enemy. Oh, it's happening. <laughs> Cringy as always. Uh, <laughs> of course. Now, guys, welcome back to the one and only Game of Thrones podcast. I know there are many imitations out there, but I like to think we're the cool hip one. Uh, <laughs> as, as always, we're available on SoundCloud and iTunes, so if you enjoy listening to this on your phone or tablet device, be sure to check us out on those platforms. If you are listening to us on iTunes, then please leave us a review. It'd help out a lot. Uh, this time we'll be having an extra long episode for you as kind of a Christmas gift, and it, today we'll be discussing two topics, Season 8 leaks, and Preston will be telling me his plan on how to fix Season 7. Now, Preston, I haven't seen your Season 7 fix, yet something tells me Podrick will be evil and Arya dies. So, yes. Well, no, no. I did not kill off Arya, but but what? I did make Podrick evil. You didn't kill off Arya. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like during our season seven review, you fucking hate. You wanted Arya to. You wanted Peter Baelish, which, by the way, I think you. I think they would have like been amazing for doing this. But you wanted Baelish to turn around and be like a super amazing sword fighter and like slash her throat or something. I mean, that would have been that would have been incredible. That would have been epic. I mean, that would have been. That would have been some Last Jedi-level <laughs> expectations being getting smashed kind of stuff. If Peter Baelish just freaking killed Arya, yeah. No, but in my, in, my, uh, in my hypothetical season, I just kind of delayed Arya. I kind of had her have her own adventure at Casterly Rock, and then I kind of had her just kind of get delayed and then arrive at Winterfell at, like, the end of the season. Casterly Rock, eh? Yeah, that was the uh, that was the the little side adventure I had. What what I what I had was like, okay, well, what if you made Illyn Payne the the Castellan, and then Arya would go to Castelly Rock to take him out to to take him out to get another uh, uh, thing off her list, and then um, did you make it like a Mission Impossible type of thing where she has to like sneak in there and she has to climb up and do like a bunch of crazy shit just to infiltrate the whole damn thing? Well, that would be nice. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't go into too much detail on it, but essentially, she would arrive and then want to deal with. Well, don't uh, tell me yet. We'll get to that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, and by the way, uh, you know, you told me a while ago you were going away for Christmas break. May I ask what random country you'll be going to this time? Going to Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka, it is. Sri, where? Uh, <laughs> I think I know where that is. Uh, Sri Lanka island, south of India. Right, right. I know. Get off my back. I know. And no, no, that's nice. I hope you have a good time. Like, the audience doesn't know this, but I have you on social media. So whenever you go off to, like, uh, random places, you and your wife take pictures together in front of monuments and statues. And, uh, I don't know, you guys look so cute together. So I do hope you have a good time. And and God forbid, you know, uh, something happens to you while you're on this trip. I just want to remind the audience that I will be inheriting your channel. Your channel will be mine if something happens. Yes. Okay, so guys, I completely understand if you're one of those people who want to go into Season 8 completely in the dark. I get it, 100%. So if you don't want to listen to the first half to get to the Season 7, uh, seven fix, then please skip to 5615 to get right into the next segment. Uh, now, Preston, these leaks are serious. I heard that the guy who leaked this info was arrested and is being sued by HBO because of how damning they really are. Can you believe that? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now, 
Now, I, I've read these, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, they're insane. I, I, want, I really want to get your reaction, and we'll okay. discuss the stuff in it. But i got to say, though, before we begin, these seem pretty insane, and uh, I don't know, I just, I kind of believe them. Are you, are you ready? Okay. All right, let's get into it. Uh, episode 1. Tormund and Beric did survive the attack on the wall. Tormund rides to Winterfell to warn Jon, while Beric stays behind to give him more time. Which, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't feel like that makes any sense, because it's like a hundred thousand dead what can he do whatever uh cersei discusses with kyburn's ideas on how to defeat daenerys and her dragons she okay. orders to mass produce ballistas and let the alchemists make new pots of wildfire they get interrupted by a message that euron arrived at king's landing with the golden company kyburn does examine the dead whites john and danny arrive at winterfell many northern lords are angry about him bending the knee to a targaryen but sansa secures john her full support Theon arrives at King's Landing to free Yara, who is imprisoned inside the Silence. He tries to free her, but gets captured by Euron's men. Sam reads a book about how to create Valyrian steel. The process needs dragonglass and dragonfire. Jon asks Gendry if he can make the new Valyrian steel swords, and he asks Danny if one of her dragons can provide the dragonfire. She agrees, knowing the importance of the situation. End episode one. Uh, huh. Okay. Now, looking looking at this list. Okay, Tormund and Beric. I mean, I could see, I could see Tormund. I do think that Tormund and Beric, or at least Tormund, is going to, going to survive. Like they, they didn't show them die, mm -hmm. and it does seem like some sort of useless, uh, uh, hold them off kind of thing would be, like, just the kind of sad thing they would they would have, they would give to Beric. Kind of like in the same way that they they gave it to, uh, to. Uh, Uncle Benjamin, mm -hmm. um, you know that they would give Barrack some sort of useless. Uh, well, to be know, fair, Uncle Benjamin held glory. off like ten guys. Barrack is gonna hold off a hundred thousand uh, 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 whites, really. But equally pointless. But it, that's the weird thing is the 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 crowd is already ahead. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless the whites have like climbed up the wall or something and are trying to get the last of the the Night's Watch as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't really seem necessary. It doesn't like, okay, maybe, maybe Beric died, got crushed and that would be the end. And then Tormund would ride there and there doesn't need to be a, uh, uh, a, uh, sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But, but I mean, I think we all do get the sense that Tormund is more important than Beric and that Beric is going to get killed off and will be fodder and that Tormund will live just a little bit longer. You know, and I, 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 don't I don't know. know. I feel like Beric is more important than Tormund, in my opinion. Like Tormund's more important for the fans. Beric is more important in general because he can, you know, flaming sword guy. I mean, but we are. In, uh, that's what I mean. We're, we're. This is all just fan service now. So mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like, oh, like wasn't wasn't uh, Thoros the most important because he could resurrect people? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and they went and they freaking let him die. Ugh. <laughs> but. You know, or as I joked, you know, in any and any uh, in any in any Dungeons and Dragons party, you protect your cleric, and so you the white mage. Let, yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't. They're, they're the most important characters because the cleric can resurrect people. Mm -hmm. But uh, so the Golden Company arrives in King's Landing. The Golden Company has been like, despite them being like, we didn't, originally we didn't think that the Golden Company would be in the show. They're right. very prominent in the later later on portions of the the books. But uh, the Golden Company was mentioned first, I think, in season four, 
when Davos mentions hiring them and Stannis brushes it off, you know, because they're sellswords, gross. Um... Doesn't he, have sell, doesn't he have doesn't he have later? <laughs> doesn't he have the storm crows or something, and then they abandoned him? Look, not the best writing on in the, <laughs> okay. of the show, but okay. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, so the Golden Company's definitely showing up, and they have to show up early. Uh, in, in in the in the uh, season seven extras, they added a, ba- a a background thing on the Golden Company. Yeah, so I mean. If they're gonna have them show up, you know, and John Connington and everything, it's it, it better happen early. So yes, I see, I see the Golden Company arriving in that first episode. With to your be own. fair, the Golden Company might not even play a, a big plot, a, a big a big role in the in the show because they also had on the Blu-ray a while ago. I think the last Blu-ray, season six, um, the War of Nine Penny Kings, and they barely oh. even mention it in the show. I mean. Yeah, the War of the Nine Penny Kings. We know nothing about the War of the Nine Penny Kings. It's uh, we only know that like Barristan made uh, Barristan made uh his legend during the battle. I think Tywin was in it, something like that. I, I don't remember a lot. Like, like Hoster Bail- Tully and people. Yeah, it's, Peter Baelish's uh... dad was in it too, and like that's how they became buddies. Like, you don't really know a lot about it, but they did a whole segment on it for the Blu-ray. So the Golden Company. Do you really think they'll show up? I mean. Yeah, def. I mean, they're definitely showing up. I mean, Cersei doesn't have any people, so they've got to give her something. True. Uh, Danny and uh, John and Danny arriving Winterfell is the Northern Lords being angry, and then Sasa giving her full support. I can see that going down. I think a lot of people expected like a, that to happen. A useless, useless Northern bickering, which they've mm-hmm. you know, which was all of last season. So it's, of course, you could see more of it. Grumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> Uh, Theon arriving at King's Landing, a free Yarrow who was imprisoned, only to be captured himself. I don't know, does, does, will that really disappoint you? Because Theon did have this whole thing where he's like, yeah, let's go! And then... Mm. To just be to just be captured again? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird that they'd be keeping her in the silence. Like, why? I thought he'd be taking the silence to, to ferry people over from, from, uh, from Essos, right? I'm assuming I mean, after he left the meeting at the season seven finale, he goes to Essos, grabs the Golden Company, sails back, and the whole time he just has her in there. Huh? Seems seems kind of pointless. Like, are you but, are you trying to argue that he should have kept Yara in like the dungeons of King's Landing, or like back on the Iron Isles? But you know, why why would Theon? See, this is the thing: is why would Theon know? That Yara is in King's Landing, in the silence. Maybe he's tracking uh, Euron's ship. I will argue. I will argue to this point because Euron needs Yara. Yara has uh, the same blood, and and you know, she could succeed him, and he doesn't want to really leave her alone. Like if he leaves her in the dungeons of King's Landing, he he probably fears that Cersei might use Yara against him in some way. If he leaves her in the Iron Islands, he might think some douchebag lord who doesn't like him would try to use Yara for his own personal gain. So I, I can understand and see that it's kind of smart for Euron to keep her close. I mean, he should just kill her, but I could see them justifying it by saying, well, you know, she's uh, he, he wants to torture Theon, and he likes torturing people, and so she's kept alive. I mean, to be fair, like, um, if we're going book parallel, like, everyone's very confused on why Euron has kept Aaron alive. 
Um, you know, I have my theories on that, but it's, it's, you know, it's a big mystery. Like, why haven't you just killed him? And like, why keep this guy alive? But, uh, it's the same, I suppose. Um, I guess, I mean, is Yara, Yara taking up the, uh, the Aaron plot, the damp hair plot? That would be interesting. I could see that. Yeah. Well, there's just not enough time really to, to, to explore it six episodes, but it'd be, uh, you know, yeah, maybe. I mean, I suppose if if Book Euron kept kept uh, kept the damp hair in his ship, why not have Yara in 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 uh, in Euron's ship in the show? Mm-hmm. All right, all right, I'm on board. Uh, and and the whole thing about them being able to make Valyrian steel, I don't know. I don't think I like that because it kind of lessens and cheap it cheapens the whole Valyrian steel plot line. Or even like the whole the whole item in general. Like the reason it's so cool is because they're so rare and they're so sought after. But if you're gonna make like so much shit out of it, it's just it just seems kind of dumb. And dragon glass and and dragon fire can make that steel. Is, is that even a thing? I don't. I'm not a swordsmith, so. Yeah, I mean, they're going with. Uh, I mean, it's almost too clever. Like remembering that, no, no, honestly, the fact that like Gendry being Tabho Mott's uh, apprentice, like that almost gives him like, that's, it's almost too perfect. The sense that like, but remember in the books, Tobo Mott creates uh, Oathbreak, Oathkeeper and Widow's Whale from ice in the books. In the show, Tywin tells Jamie that some random guy from Volantis, I think it was, Maybe, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, fair enough, fair enough. You're right. Okay, okay, okay. Now, see, I was about to be like, oh, that's a really cool way to bring Gendry back, but now you're right. You're right that it has nothing. It has nothing to do with that. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, it's it's dumb enough that I could see it working, but <laughs> they don't need to do it. They already have all the dragon glass. They can make into daggers and spears and stuff. Arrow it's tips. kind of a kind of a useless thing like what was the point of of sam you know here's the thing is what was the point of sam stealing heartsbane what was the point of giving aria brand's dagger like the whole point of bringing those weapons back was was so that they could be used by these characters mm-hmm. if if valerian steel weapons are now just infinite there was no point in in, in any of that i'm assuming the only reason he brought uh heartsbane is because at one point, I'm expecting Longclaw to break or to be, like, I don't know, submerged in, like, deep water or some stupid stuff like that. And then Sam can come out of nowhere and go, John, here! And throw it to him. And he's like, yeah, does a spin and chops off the Night King's head. Yeah, that would be that would be lame enough to happen. Yeah, <laughs> well, fuck you, too. Uh <laughs> Episode 2. Bran tells Jon okay. that he's a Targaryen named Aegon, some of Rhaegar Targaryen, Lyanna Stark. The heir to the Iron Throne. Jon says he wants no throne, and Ned will always be his father. He doesn't tell Daenerys about what Bran told him. <laughs> Good, don't. Uh, that I can see happening. I could. I could see that happening. I mean, um, I, I, I think it's, yeah, the, the idea that all of this build-up is to something that Jon is just going to set aside is... is yeah, that's 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 something that I could see happening, and I could see that be like be a George R. R. Martin kind of thing, um, you know that uh, that this is the thing he's giving up. 
Tyrion receives a letter from King's Landing that Cersei sends the soldiers of the Golden Company, led by Sir Gregor Clegane, to Winterfell to join the fight against the Army of the Undead. Jaime arrives at Winterfell. Bran has a vision about the Isle of Faces in the God's Eye. He tells Jon that he needs to travel there. Bran leaves for the God's Eye, protected and carried by northern soldiers. Cersei miscarries. End scene, the Golden Company march north. They have dozens of ballistas with them. Nice ending there. So, Tyrion receiving a letter from King's Landing. Why would they even message send him a message? Maybe they're sending... Maybe he's like, uh, Danny's like, letter opener? I don't... <laughs> I don't see why... But why would... Why would Cersei send Gregor Clegane to lead these guys? I figured, like, he'd be her main bodyguard. Right. And why... Why isn't... Why hasn't Jamie already arrived to, to tell them that, yeah... Cersei's Cersei's not coming. Hmm. Bran has a vision about the Isle of Faces and the God's Eye. What's going on with the Isle of Faces? Explain to people why that's important in the books. But in the show, it seems a little weird that they're throwing it now. But why is the Isle of Faces important in the books? Uh, well, we don't even know how, you know, why they're important in the books. We uh, they're supposedly these green men on on the Isle of Faces. There's a there's a bunch of werewolves there. Uh, um. Howland Reed spent a long time there right before the Harrenhal tourney. Um, there's been a couple random characters throughout history that, that have visited, but we have no idea what's actually there. I, I think it might have been the original Pact Island where the Children of the Forest and the, and the First Men like made their pact um, to, to be, you know, to, to team up. and um, But... Uh, it seems a little late in the game, on on, you know, for for this I to don't introduce know. it. Yeah, I mean, and I and I really do see. I mean, I see the books ending at the God's Eye, so maybe maybe they're throwing it in because George R. R. Martin told them the ending. Because I mean, if if the in the books we know that like Daenerys has a has a vision of fighting others in the Riverlands, so. You know, this idea is that that's where the end of the, the story is going to be. So, you know, if the if the White Walkers conquer the north, you know, and, and head down, then I suppose the Riverlands might be, you know, where, where the final battle is. And so I guess the God's Eye would be close by. But we don't we don't know what the, where what's at the God's Eye. Maybe some children of the forest. Uh, I don't know. The Green Men. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Cersei, uh, Cersei's miscarriage. We read this for the season seven leaks, but it never happened. So I'm assu assuming they're gonna put Cersei's Cersei miscarrying in season eight. That we kind of expected, right? I guess based on those based on those leaks, because all of the leaks were correct except for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean it's kind of sad. I I think it's more interesting if the baby survives, but I guess because it was in the leaks, we all expected to happen. Right. And the ending scene with the Golden Company marching north and they have, like, dozens of ballistas with them. I don't know. I feel like that's a really good ending. That's an ominous ending. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I mean, I guess they're... Uh, okay. Yeah, I suppose we could see all the ballistas. Uh, episode 3. Cold open. The first Valyrian steel sword gets forged. Danny wants to execute Jamie because he killed her father. Tyrion intervenes and tells her that then she has to kill him, too. Jamie reveals why he killed the Mad King. Cersei marries Euron in King's Landing. Danny realizes that she is pregnant but keeps it a secret so that she can continue fighting. The mountain arrives at Winterfell. 
Arya kills the leader of the Golden Company and then takes his face. With his face, Arya tries to assassinate the Mountain. She fails and gets badly injured, but before he could finish her, the Hound intervenes and fights his brother. He nearly wins the fight, but then the Steel does not kill the Mountain. In the last moment, the Hound takes Arya's Valyrian Steel Dagger and kills his brother with it, while Arya passes out. A soldier of the Golden Company sneaks into Daenerys' tent. It is revealed that he is Dario Naharis, who joined the Golden Ooh. Company to have a chance to come to her to uh, come come to her in Westeros. He warns Danny that Cersei commanded them to kill her, her dragons, and all her men. Bran arrives in the Isle of Faces and tries to learn more about the creation of the White Walkers and a possible way to defeat them. He realizes that he may be able to change time, remembering how his father heard him at the Tower of Joy scene. He comes to the conclusion that the only way to win this war is to go back in time and prevent the creation of the Night's King. Hmm. So, hmm. like I said, I, I really think the making and forging Valyrian steel is kind of dumb, but... Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, so, the, the hound getting killed by the mountain. Wait, hold on. Lose... Wait, is, whoa, that, whoa, whoa. is that what... It, well, let's go in order, but that's okay, not what okay. happened. Uh... Danny wants to execute Jamie because he killed her father. That I kind of really want to see. I really want to see a whole dialogue between Danny and Jamie. Um, I've I've always thought that at the end of the day, if Jamie does survive the whole the whole series, either Danny will he'll serve Danny as her own Kingsguard, or she'll exile him mm. for his crimes, or maybe he'll be redeemed in the end. But I don't think Jamie will die. I hope he does not. No, I mean, well, you, you, everybody's gonna die, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 in a good mood today. Uh, what do you want for Jamie towards the uh, for at least the television show version of Jamie? What do you want for him at the end? Um, I mean, I, geez, I don't know. I mean, I guess. Uh, I mean, I don't see anything except for him dying in some way, like dying to keep an oath of some sort. That makes dying sense. For, dying for Brienne, dying to protect Sansa. Mm -hmm. I guess so, you know, doing something to protect Sansa would be would be what I'd want. Really? Why Sansa of all people? Well, I mean, that's what his oath is about. Like his entire story is about like protecting the Stark to, girls. Yeah, protect you know, and and for some reason it's become more about Sansa than it is Arya. But yeah, his whole oath was was to protect was to protect Sansa. And so really I see him like becoming like serving her much in the way Brienne uh, was, but uh, we'll see. I don't know. Cersei marrying Euron in King's Landing. Um, I can see that playing to Euron's whole thing. He becomes the king. He kills the queen and then he offers Danny the, uh, the throne. Yeah, I can see that plan. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, why not? She's got nothing else. Uh, she needs Euron. Uh, she's got nothing else holding her back at this point. Why not marry Euron? And uh, Danny realizing she's pregnant, but keeping it a secret so she can continue fighting. To be fair, does does Danny really need to dry Drogon? Can't she? Like you, you theorize that they have a she and Drogon and the other dragon has a telepathic communication going on. Does she really yes. need to be on top of Drogon for Drogon to be effective? Well, in the show, no. Right, like in the show, the other. The other dragons did her her will without her being on top of them, right? So there's no there's no real point in her riding them when when she can control them anyway, right? Exactly. So this is kind of stupid. Her keeping it a secret, blah blah blah. Kind of dumb. 
Yeah, I don't mean I don't know why she rides her dragons to begin with for fun. <laughs> Maybe to show people who's boss. I mean, you know, psychological warfare in a sense. Uh, huh? Yeah, I guess. I'd be Maybe more she... afraid of a. I'd be more afraid of the person who can control the dragon than the, the dragon itself. Because if I see the dragon itself, it's just a wild animal. Fuck it, kill it. But if I see someone actually controlling it, I'm gonna be a little more a little more afraid. It's a calculated attack. You know, like, uh, I'd be more afraid if uh, a bear attacks me because someone's commanding it to. You know, nature being controlled by people. I, I don't know, that seems more terrifying than just nature doing its own thing. Yeah, I mean, and then, it's like, I guess maybe she needs to yell Dracarys, but, like, <laughs> her, her dragons, her dragons burn stuff with her, with her not yelling it before, so I don't know. I don't know it, why she rides her dragons. It's like, it's like, it's like an anime when you gotta yell out your attack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some asshole on Reddit's like, uh, is, is Carmine going to make an anime? Yeah, I did. Fuck you, bitch. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> the mountain arrives at Winterfell. Arya kills the leader of the Golden Company, then takes his face. With his face, she tries to assassinate the mountain. She fails and gets badly injured. Before he could finish her off, the Hound intervenes and fights his brother. The Hound nearly wins the... F- Wait, does the Hound? Okay. The Hound nearly wins the fight, but the steel the Hound is using, the sword, uh, the steel, the sword, the sword that the Hound is using does not kill the Mountain. In the last moment, the Hound takes Aryan's Valyrian steel dagger and kills his brother with it. Uh. Arya passes out. Um, I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, we thought that Arya would be using that dagger to kill a White Walker. Right, I mean... That's the whole thing. She's going to get in her little badass fight. Like, mm-hmm. why have the Hound take her dagger and do it? When when we already know that, that the fan service is going to have Arya whipping it around and attacking White Walkers with it. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, we don't, we don't need the Hound to get it. Uh, I, and would, would, would the Dragonglass work on, on the mountain anyway? Why would it work on the mountain? Mm, mystery. Do you like that mystery or mm. no, no, <laughs> no? I mean, he, he if he's produced and, and created in a completely different way, there's no way that there's no reason Dragonglass should work on him. Okay. Um, uh, no. a, a soldier of the Golden Company sneaks into Daenerys's tent. It is revealed that he is Dario Naharis, who joined the Golden Company, have the chance to come to her to West in Westeros. He warns Danny that Cersei commanded her to kill. Blah 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 blah. So this is just a repeat of what happened when Dario first met Danny in season three. Um, yeah, you're right. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. It seems a little repetitive, but at the same time, hmm, it's not bad. You, you know, you don't think they gave Dario a nice send off, where she breaks up with him and he becomes the king of Marine? I don't. Yeah. I guess it was a it was an okay send off. Like thinking back on it now, it was super random. Um, I don't think they really thought much of it, but um, it was it was like the only character that had a kind of fitting send off. Because like that season, he's 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 boasting about or he's he's talking about how how Daenerys is going to change the world, and he's he's looking forward to that. And then he's put in charge. So it's like yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting that that. You know he he has to to take the the role that he was assuming Daenerys is going to, so it's odd though that he just abandoned Marine. Like at least with Marine, they're like, well, I guess 
peace and prosperity with Dario, and and then he just abandons it anyway. I mean, <laughs> so uh, you, you think that's kind of dumb for him to come back out of nowhere and hey, what's up? I'm here. Oh, I of left. All the... Of, the, of all of the characters that need to be brought back, and of all the plots that need to be tied up, Dario is not one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, like the 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 you know Melisandra, the 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 red priests, like all of the Illyrio, those all need to be tied up more than Dario. Dario, they wrapped him up. You know, it's just, it's it's as good as it's gonna get with Dario. It's it's okay, Preston. It says here that you're uh, on uh, you're on Dario left Jiqui in charge of Marines. That's so okay. Oh yes, of course. Gee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad if I'm mad now. <laughs> oh, you know me too well. You I know me too well. Brad arrives on the Isle of Faces and tries to learn more about the creation of the White Walkers and the possible way to defeat them. He realizes that he may be able to chase the tower. <laughs> Sorry, this is so stupid. Remembering how his father heard about the Tower of Joy, Satan so comes to the conclusion that the only way to win this war is to go back in time and prevent the creation of the Night King. Uh, your thoughts? I mean, as look, we all hate time traveling Bran. We hate like we all hate time traveling Bran. We hate time traveling Bran in the show. We hate time traveling Bran in the book. But we have to accept that time traveling Bran is a thing. Like that's that's a thing. Time travel is part of our story. It's horrible that it's part of our story, but it's part of our story. Okay, wait, hold on, um, wait a minute. Okay, I can completely understand that he is somehow able to travel. Not travel back. Okay, okay. Trap. Make. Put his conscience. Now I'm, sound, I'm gonna start sounding like you. Put his consciousness in the weirwood tree. The weirwood trees has some kind of magic connection, forward in time and back in time, and yeah. he is able to somehow. Like I can understand sound, being able, to, or maybe even a like a physical appearance being able to go back in time, but can he really like touch things? He can send his consciousness. Yeah, but can he really use that to like physically touch something? I I mean I think he can he can like Hodor back to something and 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 affect things. And then and then once once he's like once his consciousness is brought like war you know skin changed into somebody else he can do whatever he wants. I mean he's not going to physically like crippled Bran is not physically going to go back in time. He's going to send his consciousness back in time to like to take over somebody else. Who could he possibly then, take over? Uh the guy who becomes the Night King, I don't know, mm. a random a random child of the forest. Do, do, um, do, we're going to go in deeper down the hole here. Do you think if he tries to take over the the mind of the guy who becomes the Night King, somehow that guy's able to fight him off and Bran's trapped in his body, and then we all come to the realization that Bran is somehow the Night King now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a possibility. It's a possibility. <laughs> um. Okay. So I don't know. I, I just don't like time traveling, Bran. I hope they don't do it. But we'll see. We'll see. No, what and it's it. Look, it's happening. Okay, <laughs> time traveling, Bran. It's inescapable. Like we, you cannot, you cannot uh, put the toothpaste back in the tube on this. Look, like, look, and like I say, we all hate time traveling, Bran. But time traveling, Bran is a reality. It's just. It's, it's it's horrible. It's, it's happening. It's a reality. It's happening. It's happening. It's yes. Um, Bran. Yeah. So 
Bran thinking he can go back in time to stop the White Walkers? Yes, that's a pretty believable thing. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so episode four. Bran arrives at the Neck and meets with Mira and her father, Helen Reed. Uh, they continue traveling with them. I, I, that made no sense. Uh, Danny orders the Dothraki to kill all the Golden Company soldiers. She can't attack them with her dragons because of the ballistas. A big battle happens with an easy win for the Dothraki. Some of Cersei's soldiers capture Jaime and ride with him back to White Harbor, where Euron's fleet awaits. Arya is badly injured. The Maesters of Winterfell tell Jon that he can't do anything to prevent her death. Melisandre arrives at Winterfell. Davos wants her to get executed, but she promises Jon that she can save Arya. He agrees. Arya survives, but is not able to fight. Jorah, Dario, and Bronn, who arrived with the Golden Company, volunteer to ride to King's Landing, helping Jaime escape. Varys gives them plans about how they can enter the city through the tunnels under the city. Euron arrives with Jaime in King's Landing and brings him to Cersei. Cersei tells Jaime that his capture is a trap, so that Danny, Daenerys flies to the capital on her dragons. Jaime is disgusted by her and strangles her to death. Euron enters the room laughing and clapping. Then he throws Jaime into the black cells. Jesus Christ. Uh, Jorah, no, Dario... No, no, Hold okay. on. Yeah, We're not going. finished yet. Jorah, Dario, and Bronn arrive. The escape mission fails. Dario dies fighting while Bronn and Jorah get captured. Euron sits on the Iron Throne as king with Kyburn as his hand. He writes a letter to Danny that Cersei is dead and he wants to marry her. She would become queen of the Seven Kingdoms, else he will send her the heads of his prisoners back, uh, but Danny refuses to marry Euron. Okay, so at the very start... Uh, the Dothraki fighting the Golden Company. Don't the Golden Company have elephants? Yeah, they do. So, are we gonna get, like, a battle towards the, like, the third Lord of the Rings film, where all the, uh... Because the Dothraki, in a sense, are, are basically, uh, uh... <laughs> There's no way to say this, but, like, uh... Darker version of the Rohirrim. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean... Yeah, I suppose, but... The, um, and the Golden Company is kind of like those, uh, I forgot their fucking names, but they, you know what I'm talking about, right? The last battle, not the last battle. But... Right, with the Oliphants and yeah. all that, yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose it might visually look good to have Dothraki versus Elephants, but... I want to see uh, Elephants in Game of Thrones. You haven't seen that yet. Yeah, yeah. Cersei yes. capturing Jaime as a, as a, as a ploy. Um, f- well, we'll see White Harbor, I guess, but maybe for a brief second, because what's the point... Uh, but uh, what's the point? Of, what, yeah, what's the point of her capturing him? To I, I guess to lure him there. But why would Danny care about Jamie? She wouldn't. Exactly. So it's starting to fall apart a little here. Um, Whereas Arya is badly injured, and apparently she's going to die because of the mountain. Which okay, if Arya's gonna fight the mountain, and the guy is like, you almost can't kill him. I would expect her to be like fucked up a little bit. Arya never completed her, her assassin's training, and she's not really used to fighting people who can't really die. So I, I am mm. expecting the mountain, if she goes to attack him, to fuck her up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, but how badly injured could, could she be? And what, what does... Why to the point where she's be... going to die, but Melisandre apparently comes in and she's going to be able to save Arya. It doesn't say if, well, if Arya dies and is brought back. It just says Arya survives but is not able to fight. I don't see how Melisandre is, is, is helping unless she's dead. <laughs> I mean, do red, can red priests, like, heal and not resurrect? I mean, I, we know that red priests can resurrect, but can they heal? 
Hmm. And if Melisandre, I mean, Melisandre went back to Essos, shouldn't she be coming with like an army of religious zealots? Like, why would she just show up to, to heal Arya? Maybe she's trying to see the combined efforts of the prince or princess that was promised. I don't know, dude. Fuck this thing. Anyways, Jorah, Dario, and Bronn, who arrive at King's Landing, helping Jamie. Varys gives them plans. Okay, that I could possibly see. But I don't understand why the fuck Dario would go. I can see Bronn going, and maybe Jorah, but I don't understand Wait, why... Wait, why, why, why is Bronn... Isn't Bronn still with Cersei? Did Bronn go with Jamie? I don't remember that. I don't think... So. No, I don't think Bronn went with Jamie. It's, it did say that Bronn... It says he Bronn arrived with the Golden Company. So... Oh. Maybe okay. Cersei promises him something? I don't know. Like, we're definitely not going to get a scene between Bronn and Cersei together, but maybe he'll have a line right, where, like... Right, right. Your sister promised me a kingdom. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, right, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess because there's... I guess he has to be... I mean... It's weird that they made... So here they made the Mountain and Brawn like the generals of the Golden Company. I suppose because it's the only people... The only characters left or something. I mean, unless you want to put Kyburn out there. I mean... <laughs> Remember what happened last time? Didn't get his ass kicked and got thrown in Heron Hall for no reason? Well, we have no idea why he ended up at Heron Hall. It just was there in the show. Maybe he was, plant- he was put there by Duran and Duran died, so now he has nothing to do. Yeah, who knows? Um, But yeah, I I don't understand why Dario is going out of his way to rescue Jamie. Yeah, no, why? Why would why would Danny even order him to do that? See, now this is where it starts to fall apart a little. Yeah, I just and and why that crew? Like, why would Jorah? Why would Dario? Why would Bronn? Like the like, what has Jamie ever done for them? I don't, know. I don't know. Well, Braun, I can see happening, but I don't. Braun, see... I could see it doing yeah. it. Just, but yeah, I mean, why would <laughs> why? why? Euron arrives with Jamie in King's Landing and brings him to Cersei. Cersei tells Jamie that his capture is a trap, so that Daenerys flies over to the capital with her dragons. Jamie is disgusted by her and strangles her to death. Euron enters the room, clap, laughing and clapping. Then he throws Jamie into the black cells. I don't want to say Euron is a mastermind genius, thinking that bringing Jamie back would have served his purpose to get Cersei out of the way. Like, I don't want to think that, but if they're starting, they're making, they're making Euron a little too awesome in a sense. I don't know if that's the plan here. Yeah. I just don't see them killing Cersei off until the last episode. I mean, either or second to last episode. Right. I mean, no, no. Yeah. And this whole, like, Jamie strangling her thing, like, they didn't introduce that into the show. Like, right. this whole, the whole Valonqar thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no. And uh, plus, I don't even, I don't think Jamie would ever kill Cersei anyway. I don't know. <laughs> Jorah, Dario, and Bronn arrive. The escape mission fails. Escape mission? You mean, I, think, I think this person means rescue mission. Dar- rescue mission, yeah. Dario dies fighting while Bronn and Jorah get captured. Poor Dario. You, you were right. He had a great send-off. Not not the best, but it was a send-off nonetheless. His chapter is yeah. closed, and he comes back to help Danny, and she sends him off for his chance she gets to save a guy who killed her father, and... <laughs> <laughs> for, for no reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Jorah gets captured. Bron- why not? Give him grayscale again. Have him cured. Whatever. 
Euron sits on the Iron Throne as king with Kyburn as his hand. He trusts Kyburn. Okay. Uh, he writes a letter to Danny that Cersei is dead and he wants to marry her. She would become the Queen of the Seven Kingdoms. Else he will send her the heads of his prisoners back. Danny refuses to marry Euron. Oh, jeez. Oh. Um, what a douche. At least consider I it. Yes. I mean, I guess, but like through through succession would I mean, granted succession doesn't mean anything anymore, but but would would uh would would Euron really be king if he kills off Cersei? I guess it would go wouldn't it go to Jamie? I don't know. Would it go to Jamie because at this point it's almost like whoever kills and and maintains the capital is in charge, I guess. I guess. I mean, the people are pretty fickle. They just cheer whoever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the northern Euron, lords. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Everybody's so fickle in this whole game. In this whole Game of Thrones. Oh. Okay. Uh, episode five. Bran goes back in time to warg into a man, but then gets captured by the children of the fours. He wants to warn them, but they gag him and transform him with dragon glass into the Night King. Oh shit! Oh. I did. I, I forgot that was a thing. I read it like ages ago, but uh, the Night King's reviving skills are actually Bran's warging. But on a bigger scale, which he perfectionated. <laughs> perfectionated? Mm. Is that a word? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. In these thousands of years, Bran can manage to come back. His eyes stay white. He is lost in the past. Helen and Mira bring him back to Harrenhal, but he does not react to anything they say or do. Uh, Euron makes a public execution. Bran yields. Euron cuts his tongue and allows him to join. Join him. Yara gets burned alive with wildfire in public while Theon strangles himself to death trying to save her. Jor gets beheaded and his head is sent back to Daenerys. Jamie has to watch all of this. Fucking Christ. Uh, all right. <laughs> okay. Danny is infuriated when she heard that Euron, uh, as, as to what Euron did. Against the advice of Jon and Tyrion, she flies with Drogon to King's Landing to kill Euron. She burns Euron's fleet and then the Red Keep to the ground, causing the wildfire beneath the Red Keep to explode, and the whole city gets destroyed with all the inhabitants dying. Danny is shocked, Oof. lands, and goes to the throne room. Snow falls down on her as she touches what is left of the throne. Then she flies back to Winterfell, knowing hundreds of thousands have died because of her. Last scene, Euron on a ship with Jaime, Kyburn, and Bronn. They left the city earlier as Euron knew Danny was coming. <laughs> okay. What the... Okay, so this is episode five. It is the quote-unquote dreaded episode. And I guess there's just a lot of characters we don't need anymore. We don't want to pay these people anymore. So let's just get them the fuck out of here. But, um... <laughs> By the way, where's Brienne? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just, just wondering... She she where where where's Sansa? Where where's a lot of these people? <laughs> Brienne Brienne got locked in the trash compactor. She can't she can't come. <laughs> right, she'll be back. Yeah, she'll be back in the spinoffs. Um, no, okay. So Brienne goes back in time. And to... Tormund and and Tormund and and hasn't the Night's King like made it to Winterfell yet? No, he's still marching. Like, he's still marching. Uh... Fucking five episodes. <laughs> All right. Okay, so. Uh... They've... They've been back and forth to King's Landing like three times. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Dan Bran is... I was going to call him Dan. Bran is the Night King. Uh, he works into the wrong guy, apparently, because they gag him. Which would make sense. They gag him. Um, yeah. And he's the uh, Night King. Enough. And he perfected... By the way, the word this guy was looking for is perfected. <coughs> yes. Or perfection, but perfected. Uh, um, 
Bran's war... Hold on, what? The Night King's reviving skills... Okay, so they're reviving the Whites are actually Bran's warging, but on a bigger scale, which he perfected. Okay, so a lot of the Whites is basically mm, Bran mm. taking a part of his mind? Yeah, yeah. No, it's just... it's just It makes sense. It's it's skin-changing. In, in the same way that he can control... Or, like, Vermeer's six skins can control, like, six different things at once. Like, mm. Bran is controlling, like, thousands of things at once. That I can see happening. Uh, would that be better than the whole? Well, no, you're still gonna get the Star Wars take out the droid command ship, all the droids die. Right. It doesn't explain though where the rest of the White Walkers come from. Hmm. Euron makes public. I mean, if, if there was just the Night King, it would make sense. But w we've got these other others. So I don't know. Euron makes a public execution. Bronn yields, but Euron cuts his tongue and allows him to join. Yara gets burned alive with wildfire in a public execution while Theon strangles himself to death trying to save her. So clearly we're mirroring what happened with uh, uh, Ned Stark's mm. uh, brother and his father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jorah gets beheaded, and his head is sent back to Daenerys. Jamie has to watch all of this. All right, so we go from, like, a 3 to a, a 12 and like... Uh, Right. I don't know minute. why it's like I don't know why it's like significant that Jamie has to watch all of this. Jamie wouldn't give a shit about any of these people. <laughs> I mean, maybe Braun losing his tongue, mm -hmm. but it's like, oh no, Theon, <laughs> Theon strangling himself. Jamie wouldn't care. I mean, he, he saw. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess he has to. He's saying Jamie watches it to make it a mirror of all those years ago, mm -hmm. but. Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Danny is infuriated. This is, this, is, this is the insanity. What she hears with Euron, blah, 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 against the advice of everybody, she flies with Dragon on King's Landing to kill Euron, and she burns his fleet, but then she also burns the Red Keep to the ground, and there's wildfire under the Red Keep, and it explodes the whole city. She somehow doesn't get caught in the aftershock, or whatever. The whole city gets destroyed yeah. with the inhabitants dying, and she's... Sh She's horrified. She lands and goes to the throne room, what's left of it, as snow falls down on her, and she touches what is left of the throne. So this is trying to mirror that um, that whole scene. Right, with, that vision yeah, that she had, yeah. That she flies back to Winterfell, knowing hundreds of thousands have died because of her. <laughs> I think it's like a million, right? Right. <laughs> What an asshole. Oh, well. uh, apparently, <laughs> Euron is on a ship with Jamie and Kyburn and Bronn. He's bringing Jamie along for some reason, and Kyburn. He loves it, yeah. Why not? Well, I mean, Kyburn's useful. Why he's bringing Bronn and Jamie around, I have no idea. Like, why would Bronn make it this far? Oh, well. Episode okay. 6, the last episode of the entire show. This is where shit happens. Episode 6, we made it this far. Danny arrives at Winterfell. Tyrion asks her what happened to his brother and Euron. Danny answers that they're all dead. <laughs> John gathered all okay. the soldiers together and prepared them for the fight against the army of the undead. A snowstorm arrives at Winterfell, and together with the army of the dead, uh, Danny mounts Drogon to fight the Night King on Viseron. Drogon's fire does not harm neither Viseron nor the Night King. Danny and Drogon get hit by Viseron's blue flame. Am I saying his name right? Viseron? Viserion? Viserion. I'm sorry. Viserion's blue flame. They fall down, but Drogon saves her, protecting her with his own body. The Night King lands to kill her, but John intervenes. He hits him with Longclaw, but is unable to hurt the Night King. Rhaegal lands to save them. John mounts Rhaegal together with Daenerys, who passed out. 
Drogon dies and gets burned by Rhaegal, so the Night King can't raise him. They retreat south to Harrenholm, having an astonishing defeat. Winterfell gets destroyed. As they arrive at Harrenhal with Rhaegal, Danny's baby comes. She is already injured by Viseron... Viserion? What, what, what is this motherfucker? Viserion? Viserion? Okay, thank you. Viserion's flames uh, and weaken, blah, blah, blah. The maesters at Harrenhal help her, and she manages to give birth to a healthy daughter. But Danny dies of childbirth. Her last words are that John should name her Lyanna. The army of the dead marched south against Harrenhal. John wants to stay with his daughter, but he, he knows he has to kill the Night King. He mounts Rhaegal and faces the Night King in the air. He looks into the eyes and sees Bran's eyes. He realizes that the only way to save his daughter and the, all the other living people is to kill Bran's body, sacrificing his beloved brother to save humanity. As he stabs Bran, Longclaw catches fire. Jon fights the <laughs> Night King again, this time on, on Earth. <laughs> Rhaegar, you mean on yeah, the ground? Yeah, on the ground, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I find that funny. Rhaegar gets killed by... Uh, What's that fucking asshole's name? Viserion. <laughs> this is the problem. Viserion. Rhaegar gets killed by Viserion. John manages to kill the Night King and defeating the army of the undead, but dies himself. Ending scene. Five years later, Tyrion does take care of Lyanna and teaches her, together with his wife Sansa. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> the survivors. Give me a minute. I'm good. The survivors create a new democratic system where everyone is allowed to vote, ending monarchy. Tyrion got elected as the first. Give me a minute. Tyrion gets elected as the first president of Westeros. Arya took his ship and sailed west of Westeros to his planet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh my god. Uh, Preston, can you finish that last line? <laughs> uh, Arya took a ship and sailed west of Westeros to explore new lands and never and, and never and never comes back. Euron, Jamie, Braun, and Kyburn were never seen again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait, why 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 do Euron, Jamie, Braun, and Kyburn get to survive? <laughs> Where's Brienne? Weapon Pyre? Where's Brienne? <laughs> Where's Brienne Podrick? Did did they? <laughs> I mean, I killed off Brienne and Podrick in my season seven uh, story, but yeah, no, they should be here in this story. <coughs> um, first off, like if Danny is around nine months in order to have a baby, why didn't the Night King make it to Winterfell? <laughs> It took him nine months? It took him nine months, apparently. No! <laughs> okay, them losing Winterfell. Like, like a defeat at Winterfell, I kind of understand that. And them defeat falling... at Winterfell is happening in, like, episode one or two. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> That's, you know, they're not going to, they're not having the fight at Winterfell be the last freaking episode and then retreating to Harrenhal to have another battle. Like, the show is going to have a battle at Winterfell where they lose, and then a battle at Harrenhal where they win, or something like that, right? So we have to kill Bran's body? That's 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 how you... Bran's the control ship? <sighs> yeah, that's really <laughs> weird. Oh, wait. Okay, okay, okay. I will say this. Despite all this being incredibly fucking retarded, I will say that the reason the Night King is, wants Bran, I guess, so 
badly or maybe to kill Bran is because that is Bran and he knows the only way to kill Bran is to make sure that he can't be stopped. Okay, that 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 is concrete. I get that. Or does he you know does he he wants to f- just capture Bran and protect his body or maybe or... absorb Bran into him or something maybe absorb Bran's consciousness into him, you know, com- com- yeah. complete it or something. I don't fucking know. The army of the dead marched south against Harrenhal. The the problem I have with this is that Tyrion, why was Tyrion elected president? Like, what the fuck? Like, doesn't what everybody... Did, what did he do? What did he do this season that was any good? Right? Like, like he did nothing the whole season. <laughs> he read a letter and then told Danny, if you kill Jamie, you have to kill me too. That's all he did, according to this. And he has, and he marries Sansa? Jesus Christ, what the fuck? <laughs> Man. Okay, Man. so that was uh, season eight. What did you think? Um, it's pretty silly. What a piece of shit. I'm sh- right, but then again, won't the actual season eight, like, also be pretty silly and probably crazy? Preston, you're giving away the punchline. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone, uh, someone sent this to me, um, claiming that they, uh, have contacts inside HBO me and Preston have deduced that this is complete, utter bullshit, but take what you want from it. If by the end of season eight, uh, Tyrion becomes president of Westeros, I, I guess, I don't know, I guess I'm burning all my, my, my Blu-rays. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's funny though that we're getting to like, we're like at the beginning, you know, end of episode five, we're like, where's Brienne? Wait, <laughs> and what did Arya do? But then again, I mean, they do have way too many characters. They should have killed off more characters last season. So they're already like, I don't know what they're going to do with all these people. I mean, a lot of the a lot of these characters, you can do a lot of like really fun things with them. For example, Jorah. Jorah serves Danny as uh, her uh, her Lord Commander, I guess. Bronn, I can see Bronn in the very last episode surviving, and he finally gets his own castle. Like Bron, you know, he's sitting, he's sitting uh, at the uh, a patio on his castle, drinking like a margarita or something, you know. Ah, this is the life, you know. Like you know, closing away with with, with Bron, make it fun, because he, he was never really that big and important in the books. So you know, make it fun or whatever. Sam marries Gilly, or you know, maybe he's the maester at a Winterfell or some stupid bullshit like that, so he could be close to John, his boyfriend. Uh, I don't know, like Arya sailing west. Of Westeros. Oh, by the way, what happens to Melisandre and Varys? Who knows? Where's Where's Sam and Gilly? Oh, thank God they're not there. <laughs> that's That's the only way this thing could be redeemed if they kill off Sam and Gilly first episode. Like first first episode. <laughs> oh man! So what did you think? Pure garbage, huh? Yeah, yeah, but. I think we're going to get garbage anyway. So Aw, stop it. Why not? Why not? Stop it. Um, but, you know, there's some interesting questions. Like, what can they do with Arya other than just expel her? Because she can't be rehabilitated. That would be ridiculous. They can kill her off. Or they can, like, you know, have her go go exploring. I would really want her to go back to the House of Black and White and maybe... Or, I don't know, what can she do? I, I honestly don't know what she could possibly do. Because Arya is not going to be someone who wants to settle down and have kids. That is definitely not going to be her character, ever. Right. She is definitely going to go off, do her own thing, maybe travel the world? I don't... Like, I, I, I would want Arya to have a shitty ending to the point where she's addicted to this. 
She's had a taste of it. She wants more, and she goes back to Jockin. That's why Jockin gives that little devious smile when she leaves the House of Black and White, because he knows that she's got a taste of it, and she'll be back when she's finished with her little list. Um, that's the kind of bittersweet ending I want for Arya. She'd be killing people, but at least she'd be doing the thing she loves. Mm. Yeah. I mean, th- there can be no happy ending for her. Mm-hmm. She's already broken, right? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing... You know, it's got to be, it's got to be, it's got to be something, you know, odd and sick or, or, I mean, really she does, really her character needs to die, but I don't know if they will kill her. I think you're right that maybe she'll go back to the House of Black and White or, you know, this, this whole ex- going off and traveling seems fitting, but really the character is broken and needs, and needs to die. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what are you going to do? Okay, so Preston, now let's get on to the next segment, and you're going to tell me the uh, top 12, did you say 12, or top 10? Tw- 12, 12, I think I have 12, I just, we decided, like, we're going to one-up Nostalgia Critic, who always does his top 11, <laughs> so we're going to have, we're going to have he, an even dozen. He likes to go one step beyond, we're going to go even one step beyond one that. One step beyond that. Mm-hmm. Right, we're, we're, we're turning, it's, it's like one step beyond, uh, um... Uh, spinal Tap, you know, turning this up to twelve. <laughs> that's that's where we are. <laughs> and guys, have I you do... ever seen this? Is Spinal Tap? This pre- before your time. I'm sure you were like not born yet when it came out. <laughs> no, I've seen half of it. I know you're talking about the amp, the amp scene. Yeah, the amp mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, the amp scene. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that young, Jesus. Okay, so before we start recording, you were telling me about the Littlefinger scene that I should have watched. Now, the, yeah. whole, the whole premise here, let me set up for the audience. The whole premise here is Preston's going to tell me his top 12 things he would have fixed with Season 7. I wanted us to do the whole, like, video, but that would be kind of pointless if you think about it now because, you know, why would you watch his video when you could just listen to this? So you're just going to tell me, take the top 12 things from your uh, two-parter video and, right. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot more. You know, these are kind of the big ones that 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 I that really I thought you know would have would have made a much better season, mm-hmm. and, and the way and the way I kind of fixed it. But uh, look, looking back through it, I'm like I'm like yeah, because I realized that that a lot of it, a lot of the video derived from you and me shooting the shit and coming up with these good ideas. So but it's, going through it, I was actually not to my own horn, but going through it, I was like. Wow, some of these are really good ideas, and I realize it's a lot of it's from you and me shooting the shit on like what what didn't work, and then coming up with like something better on our own. So some of these may seem familiar to you because because mm-hmm. we we kind of came up with them together when when talking about it, you know, during the during so, the uh, during the season. Yeah, during all of, during all of our pod during our our fifty four podcasts. Uh, uh, <laughs> I will say this, man. Like you, there's one scene you you came up with on the fly that I hope you include here because some people might not have heard it. Uh, the hound scene where he's trying to dig the grave. Ah, oh, shit! No, that that was a little one, but uh, I didn't even include that. Damn it! <laughs> that was the mo- that like you, you're rewriting that scene is like was really powerful. For those of you who don't know, so during episode one, the hound is trying to uh, dig up the graves for the people um, he stole food from. And they ended up dying. Like, coincidentally, they find there's the same fucking hut from, like, season four. And the yeah. hound realizes that him stealing food from those people caused him to starve to death and, and, and possibly die. And um, 
your your rewriting of the scene was like the hound is just defeated he's he's fucking sad about this and he's trying to dig up a hole for them but because winter has come the the the, the ground is a little solid and he can't do it and he just breaks down i feel like that would have right. been a really great powerful scene had they didn't had they done it that way i mean and it's kind of funny because like the nitpickers out there were like i mean I, I remember seeing this comment from somebody who was like who was like um you know dragons undead and the most unrealistic thing i've seen so far is someone digging a digging a grave in the middle of winter and it's true like you can't dig you can't dig a grave in winter time that's just that'd just be impossible but what's funny is the scene would have been much more powerful had it been realistic like mm-hmm. him going out there and you know even metaphorically he can't like one he can't he can't bury them metaphorically in his brain and then he can't he can't bury them physically at the same time you would have that parallel you know uh and he's just broken that that he can't even dig into the ground to bury these people and he just you know wait wait you didn't include the whole the hound digging thing you didn't include this in the two-part of videos no i guess i just i i, I don't think i did i think i forgot i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry no no it's cool i, I mean i well, like uh, uh, top thirteen, I guess we'll make that. Uh, 13th <laughs> one. Uh, but uh, yeah. but go ahead, start off. What's the number one? Let's start off with number one. What's the first all thing right, you right. change? Okay, the, the the first thing I, I'd change is I'd have Danny land in Dorne um, rather than on Dragonstone, and mm-hmm. this this solves a lot of things. One, you know, it was really stupid for her to land on Dragonstone when you pass right by Dorne, but I mean. Even that ridiculousness, we didn't utilize the Dornish enough. Um, you, you know, yes, people hate the Dorn story, but but you introduce them, you've got to use them. They can't just be this this pointless thing that just happened in the middle of our story, which is which is what they which is what they are. They're they're like absolutely nothing significant happened with the Dornish except for killing Marcella, and you know you could have just had her die of the flu or something. But so if you have Danny Land and Dorn. Uh, and start there. That would have been better. And then simultaneously, when when you when you, when you eventually take Dragonstone, um, you take it from Stannis's soldiers, and that way Melisandre can be there on the island. And it's not a mystery of why she would just show up. Like mm-hmm. there's a reason for Melisandre to be on on Dragonstone because that's that's the last place she can go because that's the last Stannis stronghold. And it also is a reason why John wouldn't have just gone to Dragonstone to to take it and things like that. But, um, but yeah, that, that, that's the first thing is that she, she starts in Dorne and her armies March from Dorne. Uh, what was kind of the thing. And, and for that reason, utilize the Dornish and also give a reason for Melisandre to be on Dragonstone and, uh, later when they take it. To um, me, I would rather have her take, I, I would rather have her go to Dorne first because Dorne and Highgarden, uh, not Highgarden, Dorne and the Reach are like right next to each other. So their yeah. armies could consolidate and fucking push right up. If you see a map of Westeros, you'll see like, like it would have been much more logical. You're exactly right for her to go to Dorne. But I guess it's also symbolic and powerful. Plus, you know, we need John to go there. And I feel like they, they I, I feel like someone in the writer room probably brought this up. And yeah. they're like, they're like, what? No, we need, we need John and Danny to like, you know. So yeah, I mean, I, I guess they wanted to reuse the Stannis set, 
you know, and though I don't know why they just they could have reused the the water garden set, but I don't know. I think it would have been interesting, more interesting to be in Dorne, use Dorne a little. To add on to your thing, what what they should have done, if you think about it now, to add on to what you said, is have her go to Dorne, then go up, take Storm's End, uh, you know, take uh, symbolic, also symbolic. Robert took her home, she takes Robert's home, and then mm. as she goes up to take Dragonstone, John's already there, and instead of fighting her. John just lets her in as a sign of, look, I'm not looking for trouble. I'm not looking to fight anybody. This is what I'm doing here. And that's how their little dynamic could begin. So you could still have John go into Dragonstone without needing Danny there first. Yeah. And one of, one of the big problems with taking Dragonstone so early, too, is, is the whole season we're just sitting there going, why hasn't she conquered King's Landing? Like, why hasn't she done that? Mm-hmm. And if you, put her, if you put her farther away, you can, you can draw that out as well. You know, they had to make up these dumb excuses like, oh, well, we don't want to kill innocents. And you're like, but the dragons seem like pretty precision weaponry. Like, you know, and we all just kind of sat back and went, huh, why? Why isn't this over? But so put them in Dorne, make make the conquest gradual, um, you know, use the Dornish. Make the conquest but, yeah. gradual. You take Storm's End. You take if Storm's yeah. if if the uh, the the if the Reach the uh, if the Reach Dorne and the Stormlands and Dragonstone are all under her control. Uh, I don't know, it seems like... It, it seems more powerful that way to, to, to make the people of King's Landing feel like they're being encircled to force Cersei's hand. I know, I, yeah, you're right. It eh, would have been better. All right, so number two. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have had uh, an increased Varys uh, presence, but the big thing was make Varys a historical Targaryen supporter. Um, and that way, if you make him a, a historical Targaryen supporter, uh, it explains the eggs. It explains Quaith. You just say, oh, Quaith was one of my compatriots. Uh, he can explain away the assassination uh, attempt and say, you were never really in danger. Like, I had Jorah save you. That was all part of my plan. And he could also explain why he supported Viserys. And then he can say, oh, but it's gone beyond that. And now I, I appreciate you for being your own thing. But... You know, there's that first thing like, why are you here? Why are why am I tolerating you? And Danny's like, you supported my my brother, and he was an idiot, and you tried to kill me, and it wasn't really a great answer. But if you if you made Viserys a Targaryen supporter uh, from the beginning, all of that is is kind of solved. Um, and the other thing about making Varys a Targaryen supporter is that if you have Kyburn eventually find this out about him, and you have Kyburn tell Jamie this information. Like, oh, Varys was a Targaryen supporter. Isn't it interesting that the day he he let he the day he uh, let Tyrion, you know, out of or I'm sorry, he was a Targaryen supporter, and he also was the one that set up Shay to sleep with Tywin. Isn't it interesting that uh, Tywin was sleeping with Shay the same night that you were that you were released from prison? And then all of a sudden, Jamie would kind of realize that he was getting played by Varys and it would make him want to reach out to Tyrion uh, and request a meeting. Um, and so that, that would, you know, that would play into it, the, the, this idea, you know, that uh, Varys, Varys is an enemy. You want to you know. ruin uh, Tyrion and, Var- uh, and Varys' uh, little friendship going there? Because that would give him a lot of tension and conflict in the future. It would, it would. Um, but... <laughs> You know, but the thing is, I, you know, I push off Jamie and Tyrion's meeting until the end, you know, but uh, but yeah, there, you know, it's sort of like Jamie hates Tyrion, but then he kind of realizes that the, that the that the Lannister family has been getting played. 
that people are putting, that have been pinning the Lannister family against itself, which is kind of more of a book thing, you know? Like, the Lannister family, they do great when they team up. Like, when, when the Lannisters are all teamed up, they're unstoppable. I mean, look at the Blackwater. These, you know, they all hated each other, but frickin' Tywin, Tyrion, and Cersei made it happen. And they won uh, because they worked together. Um, and so the only way to defeat the Lannisters is to pin them against each other. And you can kind of see, like, oh, well, geez, like, Vary set up this prostitute meeting the same night that, that you know, he helped you break Tyrion from prison? Isn't that a, a big coincidence? And, In an effort to Jamie, weaken the Lannisters even more for the Targaryens to come back. Right. Yes, exactly. That, would, you that also he, have, been... would you also have uh, Kevin survive season six finale only to be uh, crossbowed by Varys? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, the thing with my season seven thing was, I, you know, I starting roughly in the same place and ending roughly in the same place was mm-hmm. like, was what I was kind of doing. There's a couple things where I go very different, but the idea was, is, you know, you want all the characters roughly in the same place, you know? Um, what I will say one of the things that, did, did you include a Varys backstory? Because he's one of the characters whose backstories we haven't gotten yet. I mean, I just sort of said that, you know, he's been, he's been working against Robert from the beginning and he, he's always been a Targaryen supporter. And, you know, and then, so this would help endear him to Danny, but it would also help Jamie realize that he's been played, um, you know, once Kyburn reveals this, like it says, you know, my, my little birds, they've told me some interesting stories about Varys. He's always been a Targaryen supporter and he's been trying to fuck with your family, you know, and then Jamie would realize that it's time to sort of reach out to Tyrion. You know, it's funny. Uh, like I really do want to know why Varys why the Targaryens? Why? 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 We still have not gotten his backstory in the books, have we? Like we know a lot about him, like how he, how he and Illyrio Mapatis, like they teamed up when yeah. they were younger, but we still don't know why he supports the Targaryens so much. Why specifically that family? Well, I mean, some people, some people say that that Varys has Valyrian origins. That that's why he shaves his head, and that uh, you know, some say he's a Blackfire, and that he. Uh, you know, and other things like that. But it's an interesting idea that, yes, he shaves his head. Well, you know, Egg from the Duncan Egg books shaved his head uh, to hide his uh, silver hair. So Varys might have done the same. And so, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the, the fan theories are is that he does have Valyrian roots. And that... Uh, Would this fan theory he's... come into your, your Varys storyline in the first season seven? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like in his little thing, he's like, there's a reason I shave my head. You know, like, ah. uh, you know, I, you may have met one of my compatriots, Quaith. How do you think you got dragon eggs? You know, like it would all come together and she would go, oh, oh, I see. Though the show, we now know that the show is, the show is never going to explain the dragon eggs or Illyrio or any of that, but <laughs> or Quay. Okay, so number one, number one, uh, number one was Danny Landing and Dorn. Number two is number two is Varys is, is pulling Varys. more of the strings. Yeah, yeah, okay. Varys Targaryen supporter. Um, all right, three. I would actually have, uh, and this is rather important, um, that a big conflict be whether whether or not, you know, big conflict would be in the Riverlands, actually, that I would have a big dispute over Harrenhal and I would have, like, the phrase uh, ever since Walder died, 
like breaking into fractions and 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 breaking into factions and declaring for different people. And it sounds really confusing at first when I say it, like, oh, do we really need this extra thing? But by having the Riverlands be be a focus, um, one, when you have battles and you have different stuff going on, you can you can eliminate all of the the weird warping and travel times that we had. Um, in, in the show, like, for instance, if, if you had Danny, Danny's army start in Dorne and then they kind of come up to the Riverlands, then later when Jamie gets ambushed, you didn't have the Dothraki warp from nowhere. They were there. But also, like, having the Riverlands be a conflict also gives tension for Sansa. So you, I, I would have Littlefinger encouraging Sansa, you need to invade south. You need to go south. And that gives... Sansa, Davos, who would be leading the armies, like he would be waiting in Moat Kalen, waiting for the orders to invade. Um, it would get, it would create tension both in the north and it would eliminate all of these warpings by having stuff go on in, in the Riverlands. That makes um, sense. Giving the Dothraki yeah. a base of operations on the mainland instead of just being exactly. in ships. Like where were they throughout? Like before we saw them fight the Lannisters, where were they? Like on ships? Like were they all on Dragonstone? Like... Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, people are warping constantly in it. That, that's all we, you know, we, we made fun of it so much. But if you have them have a base of operation at Hall, not only like Hall is Littlefingers. So the minute Littlefingers like, oh, Danny conquered my my castle. That's an act of war. And Sansa would be like, really? I don't know. No. <laughs> you know, and so there's these there are these different things that Littlefinger can say to Sansa to say, that says what you don't want to take. Like they're going to take River Run. You don't want to take your, your mother's house like don't you don't you care about the tullys and then that can be a split like oh well john is a stark no he doesn't care about the tullys he always hated catalan that's why he doesn't want to defend the riverlands maybe i should you know there would be that there would be that kind of tension um to create because you know there is this supposed tar you know the show tries to push forward this targaryen stark tension but there's not much of it you know but this would be a tension over the riverlands you know and it would and it would eliminate all of the warping so, you know, that, that, that was one thing, having, having conflict in the Riverlands. Um, four, and this is a big one, and this is one that people, some people hated, but I really like, is, uh, so Brienne and Pod would have an adventure where Littlefinger would lie and say that there's dragonglass caves near Riverrun. And so Brienne would make this, you know, joke like, oh, I just came from Riverrun. But her and Pod would go back down there and then when she finds out that there are no river run caves of Dragonglass, Pod would Pod would kill her in a big surprise. <laughs> How did I not see this coming? Right. And then Pod would come back and say, "Oh no!" Like to John and say, "Oh, the phrase killed Brienne. You should invade and avenge the Red Wedding and Brienne." And again, you'd have more tension. Like, should we invade south? But doesn't Daenerys hold the Riverlands and things like this? And that would be a conflict, you know, between between the Starks and the Targaryens, you know, because because Pod is actually secretly an agent of Littlefinger this whole time. And this would also lead because um, Pod has the, uh, you know, kills Brienne and gets Oathkeeper. Oathkeeper eventually gets to Jon's possession and so when John eventually makes it to King's Landing and returns it to, to, uh, to Jamie, and you know this is after he uncovers Pod, 
you know, and ha- has a big boss battle against Pod. Pod is actually like the best fighter in the world and nearly <laughs> kills John. You, you made Podrick like, well, like, like Arthur Dane. You, you... Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like this would be the big surprise. He needs some, some, some surprises. And then he, you know, and then Jamie would say, how did she die? How did Bri- Brienne die? And, and John would say he was, you know, she was betrayed. And then John would say, you know, I didn't know the Lannisters had, you know, Valyrian steel swords. What, what's this one called? And Jamie would say, oh, it's Oathkeeper. And he'd be reminded of his oath. And that would help him. That would help Jamie go north. You know, it didn't seem right that Jamie went north all of a sudden. But like this reminder, Brienne dying and being presented the sword again and, and hearing the name Oathkeeper. Like and like that would remind him like, oh, I've got to I've got to keep my oath. I've got to protect Sansa. But how and does how does John know Oathkeeper belongs to Jamie? Because it's a it's got a freaking lion head pummel. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. OK, I'm trying to keep he you figures on it out. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's clearly a Lannister sword. Yeah, you're going to get so much fucking hate for like Podrick and shit. You know what? That'd be oh, great. People, though. Yeah, that'd be great if like Podrick is better than Arthur Dane. He uses three swords, one in his mouth and like two on his hand. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, think about what Brienne and Pod did this season. Jack and shit. Like nothing. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be just it would be incredible just to have a little plot this whole time. Whole time, Pod was a Littlefinger agent, killed Brienne. What a shocker! Plus, they're they're all gonna die next season anyway. We gotta kill them off. You know, we gotta kill them off like slowly. Is, is Podrick not a Kyburn's son in this one? <laughs> no, <laughs> Littlefinger, Littlefinger's Littlefinger's agent. Though, yeah, that'd be pretty you know interesting what? as well. As much, as much as I would fucking hate that, because I love the little guy. I don't know why I keep thinking of Pod- Why do I keep thinking of Podrick as a little guy? Every time I think of Podrick, to me, he's like a... You're, you're, you're in the book. Podrick in the book is a little kid. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, no, yeah. I always think of Podrick as like a little kid. I'm always like, I always think it's so weird how he's like so good with the, the ladies. But no, that would make sense, though. Podrick being a little finger agent, because originally Podrick was assigned to be uh, Tyrion's, um, I want to say, squire? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that would make sense. That Podrick is a way for Littlefinger to keep tabs of Tyrion. Yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be fun. Um, all right, number five. Uh, and this is what to do with Arya for the whole the whole season. Is essentially, I'd have the first half of the season be her go to Casterly Rock, um, to one kill Ilan Payne, but two try to rescue her uncle. So Ilan Payne would be cast would be Castellan of Castellan Rock, and some people are like, "But Ilan Payne's illiterate and doesn't and doesn't uh, and can't speak. Why would he would be a horrible Castellan?" I'd be like, "No, he's the perfect Castellan for someone like Cersei, who's a power who's power hungry and doesn't want anyone challenging her power. Like she would put in like just somebody who couldn't possibly rebel against her because because he can't write or speak." So she pops in Ilan Payne as Castellan of Castle Rock, and and San, uh, and Arya, wanting to finish her death list, goes there. Plus, she hears that her uncle uh, Edmure is there and that she's going to rescue him. And then she goes into Castle Rock, and she has, you know, the choice of of go. Well, she decides to first go kill Ilan Payne, and she does. And then she find then she goes down to find Edmure, and Edmure's been executed and they said that that was their orders if anything went wrong if anyone attacked Ilan to execute the prisoners and she would feel a little guilty that she chose revenge over saving her family 
And that would be like a big like punch in the gut for Arya. You know, like, oh, you could have saved your 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 uncle first, but you chose to kill Ilan Payne and it led to your uncle's death. And so we get rid of we get rid of a character and we, we, we go on her, her her death list and we give Arya something to do. I gotta disagree with season. you on that. I would keep Edmure alive. What I would do is I would have Arya sneak into cast uh to Casterly Rock just as she does. She uses Danny's uh uh, fleet that's attacking Cashley Rock, trying to trying to siege the place, as uh, a way to uh, you know get in there. You know through chaos, she could sneak in, kill Ellen Payne, which would help Danny out amazingly, because without the commander there, everybody would be a little disorganized. And maybe she could save Edmure, or maybe Danny's forces to save Edmure. I don't know. By the end of the whole series, I want there. I want a lot. I want most of the High Lords of Westeros to still be alive, so they could all like pledge their fealty to whoever comes out on top. I don't know, like, I feel like killing Edmure would be a little unnecessary, in my opinion. Oh, I, I, I'm just trying to kill everybody off. I'm trying to kill everybody off. I thought that was, like, <laughs> the point. Is, is, is that, that war the is, point? War is, war, is, war is bad, war is bad, and thus everyone's going to get killed off. Uh, I mean, I guess. That's, that's what I was doing. That's why I was trying to kill people off. All right. <laughs> um, and then for the second half of the season, I just kind of have Arya heading towards Winterfell and arriving in the last episode. Her running into people and finding out that that Rickon died and things like that mm-hmm. and, and feeling sad about it, the mourning things, you know, on her on her way. So you're removing yeah. completely the Sansa and Arya stupid argument thing. Yes, yes, no. I have Arya arriving in the last episode at Winterfell. I mean, she can meet Hot Pie. She could stop by Moat Kalen and like run into. To, I would have I would have uh, Davos there. Run into Davos. She can you know she can have all sorts of you know, different run-ins uh, on her way there. But but they, the idea is that, yeah, the, uh, that have her, have her get to Winterfell at the end of the season, and then we don't have to have all this ridiculous hanging out in Winterfell with nothing to do. Gotcha. Yes. Uh, so, six, um, how to fix the Citadel. <laughs> so with the Citadel, I had uh, Sam would go to classes, Obara is there instead of Sorella Sand pretending to be a boy befriending Sam and when Jorah arrives he hears a rumor that this that uh that Jorah Mormont arrived and he's like oh my god really and because of his last name Sam seeks him out finds that he has grayscale Jorah explains that he's he's quarantined until he, you know, and he's he's in prison there until he dies, um, and so Sam sneaks in, cures his grayscale, is caught. He and Obar are caught, and they're all quarantined together. And then, while being quarantined, he like explains his story north of the wall, and his relationship with Gior, and he totally convinces Jorah that uh, about. The, the white the white walkers and because he saves Jorah's life he he kind of has has a life debt to Sam and so you know he, he Jorah is going to be the one that returns to to Dragonstone and convinces Danny to to team up with John because of Sam's influence over him you know so that's how I kind of fix the Citadel I don't really see the point in, in putting in Obara I had a buddy of mine uh, who saw your video he goes. What the fuck is with him and this like Sorella Sand dude? Uh, <laughs> I, I I I gotta agree. I I would not put Obara in the Citadel. 
But uh, no, see, it's using the Dornish. This is you're using the. This gets back to point one. You got to use the Dornish. <laughs> like you can't just kill them off. Like you introduce these frivolous characters and then you kill them off immediately. What a freaking waste of time. No, use them a little more and then people won't hate them as much. Like so, Obar, but, but instead Obar of having Obara the... there, shouldn't you just in- introduce Sorella Sand as one of Sam's best buddies that he met at the Citadel? And then we later find out no, that... Well, then we're, then we're just introducing more characters. Plus, th- see, if I have Obara there, then I can send Obara north of the wall with Jorah, and then Obara can get killed, like, north of the wall. Okay. Instead of Thoros. <laughs> this is the idea, right? Okay, continue. Right? That, that's, it all worked. No, I had Obara, plus I, I had Obara searching for fire and blood. That that she was she, that Oberyn had told her about fire and blood and that you know and so they get that tome and then they've got like some more secret knowledge because you know later on like season seven they're gonna like all of a sudden Sam is gonna pull out some random book that he found and it's gonna have some information in it if you had Obara like searching for fire and blood the to- the tome you know then it would it would it would make more sense that Sam's eventually gonna have that in his possession. Mm-hmm. You know, with some knowledge. All right. So that that's the reason she's there. She's searching for fire and blood. She hears about, you know, Sam's story. You know, she gets hooked up with Jorah. They, 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 they go north of the wall. It, you know, it, it solves so much on why Danny would, would switch over um, to John's side. And, and it, makes, it makes Jorah and, and Sam's meeting significant. Um, so, uh, seven. Um, ah, how to, this is essentially how to depower Danny. So the big problem is that Danny's way too powerful at the beginning of the season and we don't really buy, like, and Cersei has no power. And so how can we turn the tables? And I would have the, the, the tables turned by, while Danny, Danny's forces are marching north, she's off conquering Dragonstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, her, the, uh, I have her her forces led by Randall Tarley and Lady Nim, and then I would have Kyburn's Little Birds give an offer from Cersei saying, "If you turn, you will become Lord of the Reach. You'll become Lady of Dorne." And both both Lady Nim and Randall Tarley betray Danny and turn on her, and that's the major way they sort of like uh, depower her. Is by by uh, having this you know uh, civil war in Danny's forces. I really can't see Lady Nim betraying uh, her mom her mom's cause because her mom wants well not, not I, f- I forgot Ilaria is not her mom but like I really can't see Lady Nim betraying Ilaria. Well, I mean, why we haven't been given any personality for any of the Sand Snakes? So like, what like how can you base that on anything? Mm. Like why couldn't why couldn't Lady Nim be somebody that could betray anybody? I don't know. She doesn't come off as that like type of uh, shady douche. But uh... but make that what makes it interesting is that like you think all the sand snakes are peas in the pod, but instead Obara is running off with Jorah, Tyene is staying loyal, and and Lady Nim is is betraying them. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, the sand snakes are different. You know? <laughs> The, the oh, one thing I, I oh. like that I did, but the one thing I would change is Randall Tarly betrays and then he kills Lady Nim before she could even make a decision. <laughs> but then how can he lead the Dornish forces? Wouldn't the Dornish forces be like, what? He would uh, you know. either ambush them or they would just go home. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like the Karstarks did. That's fine. 
Yeah. I mean, however you do it. I, and then when, when later when Danny finally catches Randall Tarley and defeats him in the field, she has a reason to burn him alive yeah. because she's like, you fucker, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and I mean, in my story, she would burn Lady Nim. So wh- whether, whether Randall Tarley like kills Lady Nim or whether she gets burned later, it doesn't matter. But I just wanted to, I just wanted the, the Dornish, again, the Dornish to be interesting and be utilized. And so, and, and this, this would be a, a way to depower Danny is by having a little rebellion within. What's that? You don't want to uh, drink toast to the Sand Snakes dying at Euron's hands? You don't want to be like every other generic YouTuber who re- re- reviewed that episode? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, the Sand Snakes sucked. That doesn't mean, like, you just kill them off. Right. I mean, it's the same. Like, if I was watching Attack of the Clones and then in the first 10 minutes, like, Jar Jar Binks, like, falls into an engine and gets chopped up, I wouldn't be like, woo! Some people would. But I'd be like, why'd you introduce a character just to have him chopped up? Like that, that was, that would be dumb, <laughs> you know? Like, in fact, in fact, I'm actually kind of annoyed at the prequels that Jar Jar just disappeared. Like he's used a little bit in Attack of the Clones. But uh, I can actually answer of, that. Um, are we going to go off a little Star Wars here for just a minute? I mean, isn't the whole isn't the whole thing that that he, he got fan feedback and didn't like him? Yeah, and uh, so Lucas removed him. Well, not really removed him. They gave him gave him one of the most defining moments in the entire prequel trilogy by giving emergency powers to the Chancellor. Um, actually, in the Star Wars book aftermath, we actually find out what happens to Jar Jar, and that he is a poor beggar who juggles to make kids smile. And then we later find out that um, I think he's still on Naboo, and every citizen of Naboo hates the shit out of him because he helped the emp- the Galactic Empire rise to power. So people just ignore him and shun him, but he loves entertaining the kids. So that is his fate, is to be... Well, that's, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but back to Game of Thrones. Uh, what's number eight? All right, all right. Uh, number eight. Uh, so one big thing was, like, why isn't Danny invading Dragonstone, or invading King's Landing? So I give a reason for this. So... While many of her forces are marching by land, her sea forces take Dragonstone and then decide to come in uh, for for a naval assault that's supposed to be at the same time as the land assault, right? So um, the Civil War with with Randall Tarley betraying him screws up the land for land assault, and the sea the sea assault gets screwed up because she's because of Euron's sneak attack, but also, you know, he's got a ballista on one of his ships. Um, and she gets spooked, you know, like she gets spooked and she freaks out and she, she, uh, cancels the attack. And like, that's the reason is is that she's not attacking King's Landing is because she almost gets hit with a ballista and she freaks out and she hears that in King's Landing, Cersei has a whole bunch of them and that, uh, you know, she feels really, she, she's scared. Um, also, I would have dra- I would have Grey Worm die in that in that aborted assault, mm-hmm. so that Danny feels really guilty um, that she ran and flew away while while uh, while Grey Worm was killed at sea. Like you know, just give her a little turmoil, give her you know something, and that that would explain why she's like reluctant to attack King's Landing because of these ballistas. Um, you know, she's scared of getting she's scared of getting killed. Okay, you know what? The, what they really have is that you know instead they just have 
they have uh i mean they 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 have it a little bit with with Tyrion you know trying to instill fear into Danny but the main reason for not assaulting King's Landing is is uh not burning the people which again doesn't really make sense so then i don't know that that that's why i have her her not uh not doing king's landing um number 9 uh number 9 i i uh i have the military movements this all this all connects with the riverlands um but with uh, so I, I've already talked about this where, where I wouldn't have anybody warping around. But if you watch the if you watch my video, like I don't have anybody doing warps like all of the military movements are logical um, time wise. All about occupying my, certain uh, strongholds and, and areas. Yeah. Like I don't have the sh- I don't have the fleets going around the continent. I don't have people warping all over the place. I, I you know, everything kind of makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, so ten is the one I and I really wish you would have watched the uh, the Littlefinger part of of it because it's it's about how I bring down Littlefinger, okay. how Sansa brings down Littlefinger. Okay, as long as you're having and Sansa have, bring down Littlefinger, all right, I'm on board. Let's go. I I have Sa- I have Sansa I have Sansa riddle out that Littlefinger sent the cat's paw to kill Bran, um, and he and she does this by by taking the information she knows. You know, like Bran tells her that, oh, I think there was this letter that Lady Lysa sent to our mother. And then Sansa would check the records and find, oh, yes, a writer did a, a, did arrive. But wait a minute. All of this doesn't make sense. Like, why would Lysa be, be sending a letter to, to my mother um, unless she was told to by Littlefinger? And, and she, she would eventually puzzle out that. Um, uh, and I. And I if I, I I do like a it's like honestly a seven minute scene that I've put into this video, of of Littlefinger, and and Sansa talking, and and her puzzling out that Littlefinger is the one that that sent the cat's ball, and um, and her deciding that he needs to be killed. In my opinion, what I think is like one of the perfect Littlefingers, Littlefinger being caught by Sansa, which is. He has the dagger with him constantly, all the time. And he uses it to yeah. peel, like, oranges and whatever. And the only reason nobody knows that it's him who sent the cat's paw is because everybody who saw the dagger is dead. Maester Lewin, Kathleen, Ned. But I would have, like, Theon come back at the very end, bringing John and Danny up to Winterfell, and he eventually meets up with Sansa, and they have their little moment, and he notices Littlefinger has the dagger. And if you remember... Theon was there when Catelyn came to everybody in Winterfell about the whole thing. So Theon would be part of the key to outing Littlefinger. Oh, well, that that would be fun. Because Theon... Yeah, was, no, that would be really fun. Theon was in the meeting in the in the Godswood in uh, Winterfell when uh, Catelyn was showing everybody. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, no, I like that. That would give that would give Theon something to do um, if you if you warped him back up to up to Winterfell. But you know that's cl- yeah no I like that I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the way I do it the way I do it I have Sansa realize that so during Tyrion's trial, uh, Lysa doesn't pick the best fighter in the Vale. She picks an average fighter to defend Tyrion because she wanted Tyrion to win because she didn't want conflict. And so the question is wait if Lysa didn't want conflict why would she send this letter to Cat? instilling conflict unless 
Littlefinger's the one that really told her to write that letter because he's the one that controls her. And so, you know, it kind of, it kind of gets into like, oh. And it also, she, she puzzles out that, that Littlefinger is the one that sent the dagger because, um, because uh, he has spies everywhere. And so he would have a spy in Winterfell and would have known that Bran fell. And so while everyone else in, in Winterfell was kind of loyal to either the Lannisters or the Baratheons or the Starks, his agent in, in Winterfell is the only one that could have like sent the cat's ball, mm-hmm. you know, was the idea. Uh, and, and the other thing was, and then he's like, well, wait a minute. Why couldn't it be one of Varys's agents or one of Doran Martell's agents? Cause they have spies everywhere. And she says, because, um, uh, Maester Lewin's notes say that the last thing Catalan, that the last thing that the guy said was you weren't supposed to be here. Why would, one of Doran Martell's agents or Varys's agents try to spare my mother. The only person that loved my mother and would want her spared would be you. And so she kind of puzzles out that, oh yeah, no, it's it, it's Littlefinger. Ah, and so clever. She, yeah, yeah, and so then she would, and then I'd have her execute him with a sword in the same circle that that um, Will was was executed in the first episode. So there'd be you know some some really you would some, have her swing know, the sword. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that would so so. So when does Sansa get a great sword arm that she can uh, chop someone's head off in one clean strike? You get a really sharp sword. It's got to be really sharp, and then she gets it through. And if you, I mean, if you want a funny scene where it takes several strokes <laughs> to go through, that would be that'd be great too. But the idea is that is that everyone's expecting a man to to fill Ned's Ned's shoes, but here Sansa is. In that same circle, you know, swinging the sword herself, you know, that's, uh, you know, being the Lady of Winterfell. Like that, you know, that's that's how, how I'd want it done. Yeah. That's the one thing I would change. Uh, I would have Theon out him, uh, tell him what he knows. Uh, but her, her whole sentence would be that she would exile him. I would keep our original uh, idea on this, where she would exile him, uh, but he gets no horse. He gets, like, to keep... All, he, he doesn't even get to take his shit. All he has to walk out of Winterfell with the clothes he has on his back. And you see him walking into the woods, into the dark woods, with the thought that he's going to die. There's no way. Exposed to the elements, he's going to die. There's no way he's going to survive this. But there's always that hint in the back of your head that he could come back sometime. Maybe. He could Captain Phasma. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just I, I would keep him alive because mainly he did help Sansa. And uh, remember that uh, Rob yeah. Stark said to, I think it was Theon, my father knew how to show mercy when it called for it. And I feel like Sansa killing him would, in a, in a sense, defeat the purpose of her overcoming him. Because death is easy. But now he has to live yeah. with knowing that a, a little girl defeated him. Okay, but let's go. Number 11. So, number 11, uh, how I'd fix, fix north of the wall is I'd have it be an Uncle Benjen rescue mission that when the Hound had his vision, he would sit like when the Hound and John meet each other at Eastwatch and I would have Danny fly north because she wants to take a look at this army of the dead. They're not, they're not going on a, they're not going on a white. They're not going to capture a white. They're going north to let Danny see the, the, the army of the dead. She's like, I want to see these things with my own eyes. I can just fly up there. So they go up to the, they go up to Eastwatch and they run into the Hound and the Hound's like, yeah, uh, we had a vision. 
I had a vision of your freaking uncle, the one I saw at the wedding feast. And, 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 and John's like, what? You saw Uncle Benjamin? And then, and he's like, yeah, you know, and he's, so they figure out he's in this village and John tells Danny like a specific amount of time. He's like, look, give us three days or, you know, come after us in a, you know, a certain amount of time uh, because I want to try to rescue my, my, my uncle before you just start torching everything. And then they go ahead and they find Uncle Benjamin and Uncle Benjamin says, you know, they finally find him. He's, he's tied up in this, in this wildling village. And he says, no, like, don't you understand? It was a trap. Like, who do you think sent the vision? Like the Night King sent the vision. And they realize, oh, crap. Like, and then the, the you know, the, the, the horde will come after them. And, and they'll, then they can be running. But because they told Danny to, like, come to, to meet them in a certain amount of time, like a rendezvous time, she has a reason to show up at a certain time, not just kind of out of nowhere. And then, and then you know, they can you can have the dragon die and all that that stuff. You said Uncle Benjamin but, from yeah. the wedding feast. What wedding feast? You mean from the uh, the? Uh, not the wedding feast. I'm sorry. The 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 king the king's feast. The king's arrival feast mm-hmm. uh, in, in episode one in a Game of Thrones in episode mm-hmm. one. Yeah, that that the hound would remember Benjamin from that wedding, and and he remembers him in the vision. He's like, I saw your uncle, and then John would say, What you saw my you know. Yeah, and then they would go on a Benjamin rescue mission, which is why, like, you know, he wanted to go alone without a dragon because he needed to like sneak into a village quietly to try to get to get Uncle Benjamin because there's you know there's whites in the village. They want to sneak in, and then they realize that it's a trap, and there's a whole lot more whites. But that's how that's how I would fix that, rather than like going out to rescue, going out to capture a white, and then ending up on that island with the freezing water and then the, <laughs> the supersonic ravens. And like, it's just, you know, say what you want. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it. I'm not saying it's this uncle Benjamin rescue mission is the best idea, but it's a fuckload better than what we saw. <laughs> so, um, and then finally the final number 12, what I do. So I found that brands reveal that, that Liana and, and Rhaegar were in love and, and secretly married to be really, really dumb. So, and, and a letdown. So I would have the big surprise that, that Bran eventually re- finds out. And, and, and I would have him go and find Howland Reed and have Howland Reed tell him this. But nonetheless, I would have the big reveal be that it wasn't Rhaegar that kidnapped Lyanna. It was Lyanna that seduced Rhaegar. That yes, everyone knew that Rhaegar was obsessed with prophecy. What, but what people didn't know is that Lyanna was more obsessed with prophecy. That she would actually spend all this time in the Winterfell library reading about prophecy. And that she sought out Rhaegar. That he didn't kidnap her, she sought out him. And she's the one that convinced him that, that he should leave his wife and go with her. And that he, she convinced him, she convinced Rhaegar to go to Ares and have the air switched from Viserys or Rhaegar to their unborn child. And that rather than it being like the High Septon annulled it bullshit, like in a secret ceremony, that it was Lyanna's scheme the whole time to switch the air to John and 
and that she is the one that actually manipulated Rhaegar, not the reverse. And that that's the reason Ned kept everything a secret is that there's just way too many, like there's way, there's so many different relationships and tensions going on, especially with the Dornish and pinning the Dornish against the Starks. So, so you would like make that. Lyanna an asshole? Really? I mean, the choice is, I mean, it's either Rhaegar, Rhaegar's the asshole or Lyanna. But, I mean, I, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd switch it up. I'd make it, because the, the, what we have is this damsel in distress, which gets turned into like this, oh, this cheesy love story. But it's so traditional. Like, Lyanna is still this, dam, is still this damsel. This, like, and that's not Lyanna. Like, Lyanna is this strong, forceful woman, right? Like that's the Leana from the book. In this case, she's she's the one with all of the power. She's the one that sought out Rhaegar. She's the one that took control. She's the one that Rhaegar didn't cause Robert's rebellion. Lyanna caused Robert's rebellion. Like that's the switch I would have. Mm, that's and, the twist. Know, yeah, you have it be something interesting like that. You know that no one was expecting. Um, and then, and then it also like explains more like if you're if we're gonna have John be king, like the high septon annulling shit is stupid, like have her convince Rhaegar to convince the king, to switch the heir. And then thirteen would be the hound digging the grave. <laughs> and the thirteen is the hound digging the grave. Okay, I I, I mean you know I uh, I don't know. It seems like you really want there to be a twist back in Thrones. Like, a lot of the stuff you have is, is utilizing characters that are there just to be there, uh, which I, I don't blame you for doing. You know, Obar, the Sand Snakes, Brienne, Podrick, uh, you know, just making, putting characters in certain places that need to be there. Uh, yeah. I and, and I can really tell that you are clamoring for a twist, that you are wanting to bring characters back. I, I see, just hearing your, your fix, I, I already know, like, your, your, your annoyances with the entire show. They bring out characters and we barely ever see them. Like, Ilan Payne is, the guy doesn't have cancer anymore, from what I hear, uh, but we haven't seen him. Yeah, bring him. him back. Yeah, bring him back. And, uh, now I understand where you're coming from a lot of these fixes. How much shit did you get, though, in the comments section? I know you don't read your comments that much, but how much shit did you get? How much do you think? Um, I mean, most people liked it because obviously my, my, you know, my, my viewership is, I'm, it's biased because my viewership is, of course, going to like my mm -hmm. stuff. Um, a few people were like, a, you know, a few of the snarky comments you get are like real basic ones like, no, this is worse than the show. And then and then you get, but the, the, the main criticism that people had was the pod stuff like that. That's the th stuff they, they didn't like. Um. I think people like I, I generally people like the the Liana stuff. They you know they liked the the idea of of the quarantine idea. Um, um, some people some people complain that Ilan that Ilan Payne wouldn't be a Castellan that that he uh, that he's illiterate and he wouldn't you know uh, Cersei wouldn't put him there. But I think he would be put there. But I think people liked the idea of, you know, Varys being a Targaryen supporter. I think people liked the idea of landing in Dorne, having Stannis and uh, forces with Melisandre still be, being there. Um, uh, things like that. I think people liked the Lyanna thing. The um, remnant of they, Stannis they liked, forces? Yeah, the remnant of Stannis' forces. They have, a lot of people really liked the, the little finger dagger thing that, that I did. Um, and stuff like that, but uh, yeah, the, the the stuff I got the stuff I got crap for is Ilan Payne and Pod. Mm -hmm. Like people didn't like the people didn't like those <laughs> parts. But 
Other than that, everything else seemed to be okay. Like I said, the whole Podrick thing you can explain pretty easy. Uh, Littlefinger wants to keep an eye on Tyrion, so Podrick being Tyrion's squire, being a Littlefinger spy, that would make sense if it turned out to be true. Him being the best sword fighter, I don't know about that, you know, like, I'd, I'd have to call bullshit on that one. Why not? You know, why not? Wouldn't that be funny? I, I, I can all see this him... time he's been like training with Brienne. He's just been like, "This is boring." <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could, I could take you down at any moment. I can see him pulling a tie-in where he like stabs her right in the back in like the precise area that he needs to. Well, that's how I had, that's how I had him take out Brienne. But I suppose what they're like, wait, later you want like a sword fight between John and and Pod? And I was like, yeah, totally. That'd be incredible. <laughs> and it turns out he's like he's like the second best fighter after after Clubfoot Carl. <laughs> it's, I actually, I actually do like that scene where uh, where Clubfoot Carl does fight John Lord Snow. You're bringing me back for trial. I love that scene. <laughs> I love the ranking. Like the rankings. Like people debate all the time in the forums. Like who's the best fighter? And it's funny because if you go by the show, everyone's like, "Well, <laughs> Clubfoot Carl is clearly number one." <laughs> Because <laughs> he was totally killing John. Oh, <laughs> Clubfoot Carl, number best fighter in Westeros. All right, uh, Preston, let's close this up. This is the last right. episode of the year. And I got to say, mm. thank you for joining me on this crazy ride. You've been a trooper all of uh, 2017 in terms of the podcast. Uh, guys, definitely check out Preston's Fixing Season 7 video. I'll leave a link in the description below. Because uh, some of the stuff you did say, I feel like a lot of it is within con- has to be within context. And you have to watch the whole video to kind of get more of a feel for it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But uh, Preston, will we be back for 2018? Will you join me again for the Game of Thrones podcast in 2018? Sure, of course, of course, we're doing we're doing 2018. It's happening, even though there's there's no there's going to be no Game of Thrones in 2018. But well, we're still going to talk about it. We did record uh, a Last Jedi episode, uh, a special little little spinoff podcast thing where we both talk about Star Wars, and we'll be doing more of other types of content as well. You wanted to do like a Westworld type of thing. Yeah, I was thinking that we could we could definitely get into Westworld because there there will be Westworld in 2018, but no Game of Thrones. I'm completely okay with not having Thrones in 2018. Really, I am. <laughs> I'm I'm completely okay with taking a year off. That is that is absolutely fine to me. Uh, but we will still do the Game of Thrones podcast, talk about whatever you guys want us to talk about, and we're also going to do spin-off episodes of the Thrones podcast, still going to call it Thrones podcast, where we will discuss other stuff too. If you guys are interested in that, as always, we're on SoundCloud and iTunes, definitely check us there. Uh, Preston, any last words for, for 2017? Um, oh, well, actually, real quick, what do you think, this is, this is not Thrones related, but what do you think was the best series of 2017 oh that's a difficult one um i don't know that that what's the best thing you saw in 2017 oh fuck how about best movie best episode anything you want i have to best thing you saw oh shit i don't know i that is a good one i haven't seen a lot of movies can you believe that i have not seen a lot of movies best Mm. something i've seen in Damn, you got me there. That's a good one. I don't. You, you, you want to know mine? You don't. You want to? You know mine. I've told you mine. Is it Dunkirk? No, 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 no. What is it? 
It's it's leftovers. I think leftovers oh, is the best is God. the best thing of 2017. Yeah. Jesus Christ, leftovers really? You did. How could you say that? You didn't even watch it. <laughs> I don't know what my fucking. Uh, you know what? You know what's something I've actually wanted to watch, but I haven't gotten into. Uh, but I can't get into it. Uh, Mind Hunters. I everybody's saying, dude, Mind Hunters is amazing. It's the show about on Netflix about the serial killers. I don't know. I just can't get into it. Have you seen Mind Hunters yet? No, no. Nah. I have not. I nah. damn. I do not know what my. Oh, that's gonna be. Oh, fuck you, dude. That's. See now you have to, now you have to think about it. It's funny that you can laugh at my choice when you haven't seen it. Like Leftover season three, is like even looking back at it now, I'm just like, man, that was so fucking good. So fucking good. Leftover season three. Leftover season one and two are pretty good, but leftover season three is just fucking brilliant, man. It's fucking great. Um, but anything, <laughs> any last words you have for 2017s for the audience, for our, our podcast audience? No. Uh, uh, watch leftovers. I, know, I guess this, this, this. Watch leftovers. <laughs> um, hope, hope twenty, hope the, hope 2018 goes pretty well. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll we got some. We got some impeachments to look look forward to. It's gonna be good times. The last twenty seventeen. The last Trump. The last Trump comment from you of the year, uh, guys. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this year. I really do appreciate it. Uh, we will see you again for twenty eighteen, and uh, have a good, happy holidays.